0: We continue here, of course, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, as we picked up, and and we started this whole section on submission back in Ephesians 5.21, which says, submitting to one another in the fear of God, right? That was the introduction to a whole section on marriage, family, children, parents, Uh, And now we go a little further with it, right? We we set, you know, there was other passages that set this up. We've talked about that over the last couple weeks. There were some foundational truths in preparation for where we're at now, a passage on godly marriage two weeks ago, followed up by a passage on children, obeying your parents and parents, how you're to care for and disciple and lead your children. And this is all right in line with God's order for the family and sets us up for success in the family. Now today we move outside the confines of the love relationship between husbands and wives, which lead to children right and and outside the home now we're moving beyond those four walls beyond the the confines of those love relationships it's very natural. In, in marriage, you love each other, and you work out that love for one another, and you have kids, and you love your kids, and you're going to have various differences and difficulties, but it's a lot easier to submit to one another in the fear of God within the confines of a godly, God-ordained family, right? But now it gets a little harder, Now we get outside of those love relationships between family, between husbands and wives and children and their parents and and now we get into the workplace. We follow these stepping stones that connect us to outside the home and we continue to learn this to be challenged in submission so that we can learn to submit to God. God so verse 5 bondservants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ bondservants be obedient to masters according to the flesh that according to the flesh is simply stating that this is on earth be obedient to your masters that are here on earth. Uh, be obedient to your masters that are, according to the flesh, is your human masters, those who are placed in authority over you. Now in the day that we're studying about, in that, that day, the culture, uh, in the, and in that day, it's speaking specifically about slavery. And, and, and severe sa- slavery at that. In that day, there was about 120 million people in the population of the Roman Empire, and it's estimated that about half of them were slaves. So 60 million slaves in that day at that time and, and even now the gospel is, is taking root, the gospel is going forth, lives are being changed and the church is having an impact in that society, which includes 60 million slaves and then 60 million others, right? And, and in those others even, the gospel had started to infiltrate there. It was, getting, it was moving about. The gospel is changing the world at this point in the early church, and now Paul's got a word for slaves and for masters, just representing very clearly that the Bible is so perfectly balanced. But as first of all, we address the bond service. Now, thankfully, in our society today, slavery has, in fact, been abolished. We praise the Lord for that. Because slavery, at its core, at its heart, is wrong because of the sin of man. And so now we move past that, and here we can apply it today. The the topic is the same here, that Paul is challenging the church. Even if you're dealing with the, the most horrible mistreatment, as slaves did in that day, even in that situation, we're to submit. Paul is challenging the church, believers in Jesus Christ, even if you are under the most harsh terms of slavery, be obedient. The application today, of course, is the workplace. We're not slaves, but we are employees or employers. The application for us is still to be obedient. Even under the harsh boss who has high demands and doesn't pay enough, makes you work overtime without giving you overtime pay, perhaps, listen, you're still called to submit. Oftentimes in that day, slaves harbored resentment toward their masters. And so Paul has a word for the believers, who are, the slaves who are believers, he says, look, Even in the midst of your harsh circumstances, you're not to harbor resentment or bitterness toward your masters, in the same way that some of you may be harboring bitterness or resentment toward your boss. Paul charges the church, even though this slavery is totally unfair, it's wrong, Essentially, what he's saying here is the time is for your deliverance has not yet come, and if you're not yet delivered, then you need to be the best slave that there is. If you're in whatever job you're in, and maybe you hate it, and maybe it's a horrible work environment, you still need to be the best employee that you can be. You see, slaves had one primary duty obey. That's it. And so what Paul is saying is do your primary duty. Fulfill that duty and do the best that you can possibly do. In the workplace, again, sometimes we have, we have a job description. And you know the saying sometimes, you had one job Right? That's what Paul's saying to the slave. You got one job, obey. In the workplace, you've got one job, submit. And be the best employee that there is. And he says, you do this with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with fear and trembling unto man, not just for the paycheck, not out of fear and trembling because you don't want to lose your job and you'll do just enough to get by so you didn't lose your job. That's how I was kind of as a student. I'll admit it, my kids aren't here right now, they're not listening. But as a student, you know, all through elementary, middle school, high school, it's like, I'm going to do just enough here so I could stay on the basketball team, so I could stay on the baseball team, so I could stay on the soccer team. Because if you don't get good enough grades, they kick you off the team. You're on probation. I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to be on academic probation. I'll do enough to get by. Now, that's not unto the Lord, is it? But that's the reality of what we're challenged to, not fear and trembling because I don't want to get kicked off the basketball team, but out of fear and trembling unto Jesus because I am claiming the name of Christ. And sincerity of heart is to say, to do it wholeheartedly, not halfway. Not just enough to get by. Not just to pass the time, but wholeheartedly unto Christ. And this is in the fear of the Lord. You see, this obedience, it is submission. And this submission is unto the Lord. Much like we talked about with wives submitting to their husbands, it's unto the Lord. And we talked about husbands loving their wives, it's unto the Lord. We talk about children obeying their parents and honoring their parents, it's unto the Lord. Parents discipling your children, it's unto the Lord. And now employees, workers, slaves, it's unto the Lord. In society today, many do not want to work hard. Some of you are laughing. Yeah, it's true, right? There's no such thing as customer service anymore, is there? People don't want to do their job. I mean, you could go to a store and you could be like, hey, I need some help finding this. Or, like, I don't know. Really? Isn't that your job? You had one job. Show me where to find. What I'm looking for. Something rings up. You're like, actually, that's not the price that it said. Oh, too bad. I'm not going to check on it. Now, this has been a slow decay over time, am I right? And maybe the last few years specifically, there's been a fast forward button on this lack of customer service. But the bottom line is people have been given the opportunity to not work hard, not do their job, and they'll get paid anyway. This is contrary to the truth of the Bible. This is contrary to what we're challenged to do. You see, it's not about the paycheck. It's about honoring God in our hard work. Everyone acts like they hate their job these days. And maybe you actually do hate your job. But it's what you got. So it's what you've been called to right now. What are you going to do with what you've been called to? Now, this goes for anybody, even besides those who are in the workplace with compensation. How about parents? How about moms who are stay-at-home moms? And maybe some days you hate your job. Maybe some of you stay-at-home dads, and you're like, I hate my job. Or after hours, that's when you're working overtime. You get home and then you gotta be a parent. And I'm, sometimes I hate my job. Now that's a perspective. Of course, we love our children. We love parenting our children. But I'm saying in that moment, there are those times that you're like, I just, I don't like my job. But remember, it's still unto the Lord. Christians we shouldn't just hate our job and do a bad job because we don't like it whatever we're doing is to be unto the lord verse 6 we continue then he says not with eye service as men pleasers but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of god from the heart not working hard only for the eye service when your boss is watching or when somebody else is watching, right? And maybe you're on your computer and you've got that window open and you're working and, and, and you're doing something else. You're playing some game. And, you, and the boss comes in and you're like, oh, minimize that. Close that out. Let me open up the other window. I'm working really hard, boss. Look at me. Or maybe you're a manual laborer and you're standing around and you're being lazy and the boss shows up. The truck pulls up. That's the boss's truck. Let me start digging. Let me look like I'm doing something right now. You see, it wasn't so different that Paul is talking to the slaves in the same way. Hey, don't just wait for the boss to show up. Don't, and not even just the boss, but others. Because we're so often seeking for the approval of men rather than the approval of God. And we want to outshine maybe the person working next to us. But it's not about them, is it? It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We get caught up in the the comparison game. Well, as long as I'm working harder than them, then I'll outshine them, then maybe I'll get the promotion and they won't and, and we'll go further and further up the ladder of success. But just let it be unto the Lord. You know, this also draws attention to a clear contrast here between God-pleasers or man-pleasers. But we know this, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is, this is Samuel going to anoint the next king of Israel, And God says, no, I look at the heart. This makes clear what God is looking at and what God is looking for, a challenge to our character and our integrity before the Lord and unto the Lord. Who are we when no one's watching? How hard do we work when no one's watching? Just simply between us and the Lord. Challenge here to the Christian worker to be diligent. Colossians chapter three, verse 17 says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Further in Colossians three, verse 23 and 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And that's what Paul goes on here to say as bondservants of Christ. Not as man pleasers, not getting caught up in in letting people see us and doing a good job when people are seeing, when the boss is watching. Not as man pleasers, but as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And you see that it takes that title of bondservant and it actually elevates it at that point. We get so caught up in in pleasing men or in seeking the approval of men that we want to be elevated in position here on earth. But you see, what Paul is saying, that's not a great position at all. All you're gonna do is be elevated to some human authority at best. But in that time, in that day, as we're talking about slavery, there was no chance to be promoted. You get promoted from slave to slave. Maybe it's, oh, it's a little bit better of a slave. Not as much hard work, perhaps. This is more applicable even today. What are we going to be promoted to? Some place of human authority? But no, as bondservants of Christ... Now, this word here for bondservant is a slave by choice, that our desire would to be a slave of Jesus Christ. And this statement, it elevates the position of slave by putting the label, the title of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus does. Further, it sets the slave free from bondage. A slave was owned by another person. That's a harsh reality, isn't it? But what happens here, by being under this title of a bondservant of Jesus Christ, it sets the slave free because you're not a slave to a person, but a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now that is a title worth having. That's a position worth having. Christ elevates the position of slave. Christ sets the slave free. That's what he does. He sets us free. Now we recognize this. We don't have to feel as though we're under the heavy hand of an earthly master because we're bondservants of Jesus Christ. That's what we get to do is honor God, serve Jesus in all that we do. Listen, like we've talked about in marriage, like we've talked about in parenting, this is a high calling to be a bondservant. We could wear that as a banner. We could wear that as a medal around our neck and say, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. It's a high calling and it's a great privilege. And it's every one of us that's our calling. William Carey was a missionary, English missionary to India back in the late 1700s, and he was also a shoemaker. That was a low-class job. At that time, he would get mocked, people would mock him and make fun of him for this job, and the the challenge, you know, the people would lay out in mocking him would be, who are you? Because they want him to say, I'm a shoemaker, Right? And that was just, and then you, they laugh at him. And that's the idea, right? It's just a low-class job. Who are you? You're just a shoemaker. And they would laugh about it. When people would ask that question. What are you? Who are you? His response, I am a servant of Jesus. Shoemaking just pays the expense. Whatever it is, Guys. Do we treat our jobs as such that we would say that's not who I am? That's not my label. That's not my title. But that's what we do in society. You know, you, you've got if you've got a title, M.D., Esquire, one of those things. You're like, I'm definitely putting that up next to my name. We want to label ourselves with all sorts of things. But when the question is asked, what are you? Does, it, does our job title come out? Does our place in society come out? Or are we first, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And you know, I get to do this on the side. That's my side work. But we get it flipped so often. We treat being a servant of Jesus as our side work. My side job. I'll be a servant of Jesus on the side, but I've gotta do all this other stuff. You know what? You could be a servant of Jesus while you're doing all the other stuff. That just pays the expense. Recognize that we're serving Jesus. The paycheck is just to enable us to keep serving Jesus. That we would be dedicated to doing the will of God From the heart, as it says. A question that comes up so often in life and so often in church is what is God's will? What is God's plan for my life? Well, here's here it is. Work hard and whatever you're doing, do it heartily unto the Lord, wholehearted, serving Jesus. But this is God's will to walk in submission. To work hard unto Jesus and to let your servanthood to Jesus be the primary thing that you do. Verse 7 continues with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Our work as Christians is on a higher plane and demands a higher standard. This is again speaking of a high calling. Just because we are Christians, because we claim the name of Christ, we have been called to a higher standard of work. Now, I'll be honest with you for a moment here. I've talked to business owners, contractors, who refuse to hire Christians. They've told me this, they don't work hard. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't our testimony be that we work so hard unto the Lord? You see what happens when when Christians sometimes hire Christians, we'll look for handouts from each other. Hey, we're brothers. You understand, I could do halfway and you'll still love me. But to work wholeheartedly, to honor God, is the call. This is a high call because we're light bearers, because we claim the name of Christ. Therefore, we need to reflect the image of Christ, representing Christ well, not poorly. Now, Paul here also is comparing secular work to even full-time ministry work. It's on the same plane Because whatever your job is, it is still unto the Lord. You might think, no, it's not. I mean, you know, pastors and and full-time people, people who are in full-time ministry, they really get their work, it gets to all be unto the Lord. Your work is unto the Lord because your work is a representation of who your master is. We serve God in our hard work, saying that I get to, not I've got to. Wholehearted commitment to our earthly masters. This is submission to God. This is submission to God's will. And the motive is not for the paycheck. The motive is not for our gain. But here's the thing, verse 8. Knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So the motive, our hard work is unto the Lord, and the motive is not for the paycheck. The motive is not for our own gain. In fact, we're to work hard for somebody else's gain for the most part, right? We're we're working hard in our job for our employer so that they can gain. Now, here's the reality, though. Even though that's not our motive for our own personal gain, we will receive blessing from above. Not looking for the raise or the bonus, but blessing. Knowing God, as it says, knowing God will pour out. Whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. God will pour out the blessing. You see, we've been talking about it really throughout this whole study in Ephesians. We've talked about it throughout our studies in in John and in 1 and 2 Peter, that we're living for eternity. So if we're living for eternity, why wouldn't we be working for eternity? It brings us back to Ephesians chapter one, verse three. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Our reward is eternal. Spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. In fact, we may never receive recognition or reward or promotion or praise here on earth. Even when we think we've done a good job, even when we think we deserve the attaboy pat on the back, we may never receive it. But we will in heaven. If our work is heartily unto the Lord, we will receive it in heaven. And this is speaking of God's economy that we've been talking so much about throughout Ephesians God's economy is based on grace and mercy, not dollars and cents. Our payday is not at the end of the week, but at the end of our lives. All our effort will finally seem worth it. Our submission to the God-ordained earthly authority will all be worth it. You see, looking through all these passages here the last few weeks, the, the challenges of marriage, the challenges of parenting, the challenges of family, and the challenges in the workplace, this is our calling, and this is all worth it in the end when we hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. There's the same word. My good and faithful servant. Would we rather hear that or would we rather get the big bonus? One of those things is temporal. The big bonus, it might help. It might help pay the bills. Is it going to help you serve Jesus? Whatever work may, that may seem below us or work that seems too hard for us, either way is a great opportunity to serve and honor God and to store up treasure in heaven. As he says here, it's whether slave or free. No matter what your earthly status is, Whatever the work is, it's not below you. There's nothing below us. We're wretched sinners. What could possibly be below us? Further, whatever work seems too hard for us, still put in the work, put in the effort. We do it heartily unto the Lord, no matter what our status is or no matter how hard the work might be. Now verse nine, and you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. This is some serious accountability to the masters, to the employers, to the bosses. And this again proves how perfectly and beautifully balanced the Bible is. It doesn't just have a charge for slaves, it has a charge for masters. The Bible's so relevant to us. So whatever position you're in, whether slave or free, now here's the word, for the master, you do the same. Treat your employees with fairness. The same here, as it says, you do the same, is speaking as it being unto the Lord. Just as wives and husbands and children and parents, employees, employers, It's unto the Lord. You do the same. And what is the same? We rewind all the way to 521, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That submission to one another is that giving honor and preference to another. You do the same. Care for people. Not threatening, it says. Putting that away. Ridding yourself of threatening we talked about that last week in parenting, too. There's, we waste our time with threatening, but there's promise instead, right? And that not threatening is speaking of not abusing power or authority. Truly, love is the best motive to encourage people to work hard. That reminds me, Greg asked me to make an announcement to try to encourage people to work hard. I just remembered. Uh, after service, one o'clock, If you're gonna be helping with the setup and the work over for the bonfire fall fest tonight, meet at one o'clock here, right here, for prayer and love and encouragement as you set out to work hard. Because love is the best motive. Love for God and love for one another, that's what encourages people to work hard. Like parents, Employers, you are a representation of the authority of God. Be careful not to misrepresent God. I was thinking about Moses this week. Studying through this, even in some of our discussion in our Built Life group this week, thinking about Moses and how he misrepresented God. God told him to speak to the rock, but all these people, man, they're just complainers. So Moses thought, based on their complaints, he's going to hit the rock. He's going to strike the rock, and then there's going to be an understanding that people recognize. God's mad at you. But it wasn't true. That was a misrepresentation of God. And Moses represented God to be angry with the murmuring and complaining of the people, but in fact, God was merciful and compassionate, and he said, speak to the rock. But he struck the rock. And out of that, what happened? In in misrepresenting God, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. Be careful not to misrepresent God with threatening, with an abuse of authority. You see, as parents, as employers, if we abuse authority, then people have a picture of the authority of God thinking that's who God is. He will abuse his authority with me. And we could very well be responsible for our children running the opposite direction. What did I say last week? It fuels rebellion when we deal with them harshly. The same goes for the employer. What result do we expect to come out of threatening? Let us not abuse power. Lord John Acton, an English historian, said this, Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power absolutely corrupts. Power erodes character. Abuse of power is contrary to the character of Christ. It's contrary to the gospel. And so we have to be careful of the representation that we give to the authority of God. And the authority of God is represented very clearly in love and sacrifice, compassion, slow to anger, the Bible says. Long-suffering. That's who God is, and that's how he deals with us. And and knowing this, right? Knowing that your own master is in heaven, and with him there's no partiality. Now, we're not to show partiality as we have been given any position of authority. We're not to show partiality. But know this, we are accountable to our master who is in heaven. You see, God's not impressed with our earthly positions of power and authority because He is all powerful. He holds the place of true authority in heaven. And so He's not impressed with us. We're like, hey, look at me. I got that promotion. Now I'm the boss. God's not impressed by that. But He cares deeply with how we handle that authority. Regardless of a person's position, God is the master that we serve. And he will have the last word. So here a charge to slaves and masters both today. To employees and employers today. And truly this applies to all of us. As I said, even if you don't have a job that gets compensation, we all have a job to do and we're all submitted to one master, Jesus Christ. So a charge to us all today, be submitted to God. Honor God in all that we do. Work hard as unto the Lord. Represent the name of Jesus well. Whether slave or free or master, represent Jesus well. As a Christian, you bear the name of Christ. Do we do it well? And remember that we are all servants. through relationship with Jesus Christ, we are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if we rewind all the way as, as we studied through God's ordained planned plan for the family, it starts with us first, as we talked about in chapter five, it starts with us first recognizing that we are children of God. And now this closes this section of Christian living as children of God and then as husband and wife and as parents and as children and as workers and as bosses and all these areas of life, it all ties together and comes back to be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit, as Paul says it. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to recognize that through relationship with Jesus, we are children of God. And as children of God, he calls us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a reflection of his image, to be light bearers to the world. And here's how we do it. In our regular day-to-day living, we're to represent Christ well and recognize that as children of God, as Christians, we all serve Jesus Christ alone. And everything we do is unto him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that we could be called children of God through relationship, Lord, that we are your sons and daughters. And we submit to you. Lead us, God, in in all areas of our lives to be submitted to you, to be honoring you in everyday life and how we handle ourselves, how we interact with one another. Maybe today you're here with us and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've not yet put your trust in him as your Lord and Savior. I wanna give you that opportunity here and now to enter into that relationship and to be able to say, I'm a child of God. And as a child of God, you know what? It doesn't matter how difficult my situations might be. It doesn't matter how difficult my boss might be. It doesn't matter how difficult my employees might be because I'm just serving Jesus. That's the perspective of a child of God. And so I give you that opportunity today to be free in Christ. If you don't have a relationship With Jesus, would you invite him in today?